Now, uh, we would always sit in the third row. We all, when I was younger, we always sat in the third row. It was a big church. And uh, it was a predominantly white church. So we were like these inner city kids. One of my best friends was, was black. So the pastor one day comes up to us, and he, he was just, you know, trying to make friends with us. And he was like, man, you guys are, like, you guys are, I always see you guys sitting in the third row. And I, I walk by, you guys are just, he's like, you know, just do something. Let me know you're paying attention. So from that point on, every time he would be preaching and he would walk in front of us, we'd go, and we'd give him, we'd give him a wave, and he'd, and he'd smile. Uh, but there's just something about knowing you're, you're interacting with people. But um, uh, let's pray, uh, and then we will uh, get into the Word. Father God, we thank you uh, for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. God, I thank you for how you reveal your love to us through the cross. <clears throat> I thank you, God, that your love is unconditional. There's no strings attached, God. There's, it's, it's just pure love for us, God. And I pray today, God, that you would reveal that to us. God, give us revelation today. God, I pray in Jesus' name that your words would go forth today, God, even as, as, as I share, Lord. I pray that your spirit, God, would minister to our hearts and draw us closer to you. That he would transform us, God. I pray in Jesus' name. That your spirit would come and reveal your great love for us, God. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> How's everybody doing? We're good? All right. Um, I w- I'm going to share a story, and a lot of what I'm going to say is going to come out of this story. Because I heard a story last week, man, that really just, it really just messed me up. That's just, you know, what happened. Uh, and and after I heard this story, I mean, I was messed, I was I was I was ruined for a couple of days in a sense. It's just the reality of who God is and how He feels about me and how He feels about us. And I really just felt like, man, that's you know, I want I want to share and impart today. <clears throat> but this week I've spent some time in in Hosea. I've been reading through Hosea this week, and and we're just gonna take some time and look at there. So, uh, how about just let, let's turn to Hosea chapter six. And for those that don't know the story of is, any, is everyone familiar with the story of Hosea? If you are not familiar with Hosea, raise your hand. Everybody knows? Okay, good. <laughs> so the story of Hosea goes like this. Hosea was a prophet. He was a man of God. He was someone that God was using to communicate. God was using a man to communicate to the world what he was feeling and what he was thinking. And Hosea starts when it says that when the word of the Lord started coming to him, God told Hosea to go and marry a prostitute. God tells a man of God. This is the guy. He's supposed to be the man of God in this generation. People, are, people know this is the guy that's speaking for God. He's the example. Right? And God tells him to go marry a prostitute and to have kids with, him, with her. And that she's going to leave him. And this is going to be a picture for everybody else of what God is going through. Because he has a people. And Israel is his people. Israel is his bride. And they keep leaving him. They keep leaving God. And it's just, it's, it's this crazy, crazy story when you think about it. Because God is telling Hosea, go and, and, and marry this woman. And, and, and I was reading up on this in some commentaries and, 
One guy said uh, that he believes that at the beginning of their relationship, Hosea and Gomer, at the beginning of their relationship, she wasn't a prostitute, is what this guy was saying. He said, because if it was going to be a, a, a real picture of what took place between God and Israel, then at the beginning, things would have had to have been good. And then she would have had to have left him. And it's crazy when you read Hosea's story because he marries her, they have kids. And then she goes back into prostitution. This is his wife. His wife goes back into being a prostitute. And God tells Hosea, go buy back your wife. Go pay for what's already yours. Go make a payment for what, you, what, what already belongs to you. As a sign to everybody else, just how much you love her, how much you care for her, because that's your wife, because you made a covenant with her. And the more I was reading this, man, it's, it's, it's just, I, just, I can't escape seeing the gospel lined out through all of the Old Testament. Thank you. Where God would have a people. God created Adam and Eve. He had a people. He had a plan for them. They were his friends. And he loses them. They, Adam and Eve chose. And throughout all of Israel's history, we see they choose to go back to the world. They choose the self-life. I mean, the decision that Adam and Eve made in the garden was, was just that. I am now choosing to take control of my own life. God, you're no longer in control. I'm going to do things the way I want to do things. We were talking last night about uh, Lot and his wife and Sodom and just how even Sodom was the picture of, yes, we know what Sodom was known for, all the sin that was going on. But the reality was Sodom, the principle there is the, 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 the code of the day was do whatever you want. Live your life however you want. And that's what Sodom represented. And when Lot's wife was leaving Sodom, she turned back. And she, she was turned into a pillar of salt. But man, there's something about seeing how God tells Hosea, marry this woman, make a covenant with her. And she's going to sell herself back. And I want you to go pay for what you already own. It's crazy because I know for me, I've just been thinking about just like, man, it's, I don't see myself like that. When I, when, I mean, I'm, I'm just being honest. When I, when I see myself, and, and, and we all go through this, man, we see ourselves and we know everything that we're not doing. And just how wrong we are and how, many, how much hours we're not spending praying. And how much of the Bible we don't read. And we get so much, so down and I like, I don't, I'm like... Why would you come? Why would you buy me back? Why would you come back for me? I mean, and even think about it, man. From what we know in the scriptures, uh, the way the kingdom operates in a marriage, if there's infidelity, if someone cheats on someone else, you got fair game. You can walk out. I mean, it, c could we say even if, that if God wanted to, he could have, all right, I'm done. He left me. He cheated on me. I'm out. He could have. But man, he, but his love for us was so strong. I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get over this. I couldn't get over this reality as I was reading through Hosea this week where he tells her to go. And, and it's crazy, uh, Alan Hood, when we were down in uh, Kansas City, uh, man, this is several years ago, was sharing on this. And he was just talking about 
you know, how I, Hosea being the prophet of God is excited. You know, God's got it. He's like, <clears throat> and the way he painted the picture, I, mean, I love it because I remember God really did something in me that, 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 that night. He did something to me and Benny. I remember that night. Uh, but there was, uh, the way he, picked, he painted it, it was like, God comes to Hosea, this prophet, and he says, I have a special assignment for you. And, Hose, and he's going through all the things Hosea could have said. Oh, you, you want me to, you know, part the waters? I can do the Moses thing. You want me to call down fire from heaven? I would love to do the Elijah thing. God's got a special assignment for me. It's going to be one of those, like, it's going to be a show. This is going to be fun. And just thinking about it, God's special assignment was, no, I want, I want you to go marry a prostitute. And she's going to be married to you, but she's going to give herself to other men. She's going to sell herself to other men. I mean, it's just crazy, man, when, when you think about it. Just being married to Hosea, being his wife, I mean, we know what it looks like in the context of, of marriage. What she, was, what she sold herself into, she could have gotten at home. She wanted physical intimacy. She needed provision. What was it outside of the fact that I just want to go back to my old life? And for Hosea to be this picture of, what, of what's going on in God's heart. <coughs> and just the reality of how he's feeling. Man, he, he, he doesn't want just this, you know, a seduced form because just because we feel like we're supposed to do it. Man, he wants our love. He, in the same way he loves us, he wants us to love him back. Go to Hosea chapter 6. And I'm just going to read a couple verses. Here and there throughout Hosea, and we're going to look at some other passages. But I would encourage you, if you, if you have not read through the story of Hosea, man, just read through it and just with the lens of, man, this is how God feels about his, his wife, his bride. Hosea 6, verse 6 says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. But like Adam, you broke my covenant. And betrayed my trust. This is what God is telling his wife. That left him. I want you to show me love. He says I want you to know me. It's interesting to me. To read that. And know when Jesus defines eternal life. Does anybody know how Jesus defines eternal life? John 17.3. And this is eternal life. That you will know God. That you would know the one true God in Jesus Christ whom he sent. What God is looking for is, is a real relationship for intimacy that we would know him in a special kind of way. This is what God is saying. Turn a couple pages to Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed because they don't know me. There's something that God is looking for, something that God is expecting from his people. And if we were looking at this... Is he implying that if you know God, you won't be destroyed? I mean, he's saying the destruction is because you don't know who I am. You don't know me. And it breaks my heart personally, man, to know of just how many times I've done this, you know, to the Lord. How many times I've, you know, whatever, turned my back or, or whatever you want to <clears throat> you want to call it. But the encouraging thing is, man, he loves us despite of this. 
Because he made a covenant with us. And he's a man of his word. And so we can, we can trust that he's going to stick it out to the end. I mean, this is the story of, of the whole scripture. God is pursuing us. Why? Because he loves us. Because he made a covenant with us. And he, and, and he sends his son to die on the cross to purchase what, he, what was already his. And it's just because, he, look, I'm, I'm going to, Hosea could have went back and said, listen, you're mine. Come home. Let's go. I'm not playing these games no more. Let's go. No, but he's going to go back and he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna make a purchase. I'll go back again to Hosea chapter 6, verse 1. And just seeing the heart, <clears throat> the heart of God, as he calls his people back to repentance. He says, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. Remember, people, my people are destroyed because they don't know me. He has torn us to pieces. Now he will heal us. He has injured us. Now he will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Oh, that, the, oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of the dawn or the coming of the rains in the early spring. I mean, we have a promise here. There's a promise going on right here. Look, God is going to fulfill his, his covenant with us. And the craziest thing for me was, you know, I, like I said, I, I heard this story. And it just reminded me of God's broken heart and the way he must feel. God's heart is broken. When he sees our state, when he sees our fallen state, his heart is broken for two reasons. <clears throat> because one, he knows that we've walked away from him. It didn't have to be this way. And secondly, just on a natural perspective, man, there's something that happens when you're, when you're in a real relationship with someone where you hurt when they hurt. Not only is he broken because, you know, there was an offense towards him, but just the fact that, man, there's pain in your heart, so that hurts me. And he's a loving God. And I, I just, I could not get over this for the last week. And this, this story that I heard, I'm going to share it now, is a, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine. It's a great man of God. And uh, in the spring of 2008, he'd, he'd been married eight years at this point. In the spring of 2008, he was at a church with his wife and a friend. Big church, about 2,000 people. And the church never does this. And the pastor says, listen, we're going to pass out some sheets of paper. And we want everybody to write down a prayer request and turn it in. Everybody. And he says, don't write no, you know, fluff prayer request. Like something real. Like write something down that you really need prayer for. Something that's heavy on your heart. So everybody does it. Write something down. Turn it in. Take it up to the front. It's on these baskets. They pray over it. And then they say... You guys can count on not getting your paper back. We're going to mix them up. We're going to spread them out. And we're going to ask you to pray for the paper that you have. Whatever's on that paper, pray for it. In a room full of 2,000 people. 2,000 people in the room. They all submit a little piece of paper with a prayer request. And my buddy gets his wife's prayer request. And she gets his. The prayer request, he recognized her handwriting immediately. And it said, I have been in an emotional affair. 
And just the reality of it, man, and, and I mean, it's, it's personal because it's my boy, man, and I hurt for him. But this is back in 2008, and just the reality, man, look, the scriptures say, you know, be sure that your sin will find you out. In a room full of 2,000 people. I mean, I don't care what you say, this is not a coincidence, man. This was a, this was a setup. This was a Holy Ghost setup. And he says she sees that he has her paper, grabs it, throws it back in the bucket, and gives him another one. He gets up and storms out. He storms out after her, and he's just like, I need to know what happened. He said he just felt like this was more than an emotional affair. And his heart was, I mean, just imagine, his heart is crushed. Eight years. And... He, he was telling me up to this point he's like man i thought my marriage was good was busy with ministry you know going to church working making money whatever and his heart was completely broken he said though on the ride home it was like world war three in the car <clears throat> i mean they're just going at it and he's like i want to know everything what happened who when where most people are like man you don't want to know everything man this was the advice he was getting you probably don't want to know everything man you know, let her give you the high-level stuff. But he knew. He knew in his heart. No, I need to know everything. I need to know it all. <clears throat> and, you know, and, and people, like I'm saying, like the, you know, what, what you don't know won't hurt you kind of thing. <clears throat> so there was a day where, a couple of days later, you know, where they kind of shared this with some people that were close to them within the body. They had people come over to the house. And they were... All of his friends and their friends were downstairs at their house, came over to their house. They were downstairs praying while him and his wife were upstairs in the bedroom. And she, they were like, he's like, you're, gonna, you're telling me everything. So she airs this out. She had cheated on him, I think once or twice before, just before they got married. And a couple times afterwards, it ended up, it was like four or five times that she had cheated on him. And, in, 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 you know, it's eight years plus if you count their engagements. And man, obviously, man, his heart was crushed. So he takes off, you know, leaves. He goes to another friend's house, spends the night there. He's just praying before the Lord, just, you know, asking questions. You know, what would you do, right? And he's asking, and he says, man, something happened, man, where the Lord just, and we, we, you know it was the Lord because he said, man, all I could think about, this is what he said, all I could think about was how much pain she must be in. All he could think about was, man, she's been want, she, I'm, this is the first time she's told anybody. She's been carrying this around for years. Like, just thinking about the weight in his wife's heart. Wakes up the next morning. I don't know people like this, man. Wakes up the next morning. I need to see my wife. I need to see her. She comes over with a friend and they talk. And his heart, I mean, God gives him the ability, man, to see, look, this is bigger than you, man. I mean, tell me, my, my wife was in bondage. And, and, and to a certain degree, he takes a little responsibility for that. Because he knows I'm the, I'm the man of the house. He's my wife. I'm supposed to be guarding the house. I'm supposed to make sure my wife has a safe place to be open and real about what's going on in her life. <clears throat> he said, you know, over the... Years of their marriage, they had 
had a, a lot of trouble, uh, you know, getting pregnant. So he said there were several times where they'd be up at night in bed and, I, I mean, going at it or whatever. And, and she'd just be like, you don't know me. You don't really know who I am. And he said he always attributed it to just, the, the, you know, the struggles of, you know, having a baby and what she must be going through. He said there was one time there were a family gathering. And I don't even remember what he said it was going on, but she kind of comes up in front of everybody. Like she was getting ready to confess in front of everybody what she had done. And she couldn't even get it out. She just broke down crying, weeping in front of everybody. So he just knew the pain. It's like that's what God allowed him to see. Man, your wife is hurting, man. Your wife is hurting. And I'm hearing this story knowing, man, this is my friend and this is his wife. Like I know them. This is not like a story I read in the book. So my heart is broken. He's telling me this story and I'm just like, Oh my gosh. You know, the, he, he, he takes this responsibility and there was times, you know, going forward where they were working, you know, trying to work some things out and he, he just couldn't take it. You know, obviously sometimes it was just hard, it hurt, it was in pain, confused questions. So he would check out mentally. You know, he'd be home, but he's not really home. You know, and, and she sees this. She sees the affection that she had on her husband. So some, you know, some guys were like, hey, man, you should, you should leave. Like, if you're going to check out, go somewhere. You know, just go to a park. or go, Just don't be in the house. So that, almost in a sense, like, don't, you know, so she doesn't feel any more condemned. And it's just amazing, man, just to see the grace of God in the situation. Because his response was like, man, I, I already let the devil in my bed once, man. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying home. And, he, and we're going to make it through this. And he's he telling me, he knows it was God because he said, through this whole thing, he said the word divorce never came up. He said they went to his church. They met with the elders. They met with the elders and after the elders heard the story of what was going on, what took place, he stopped her. He said, you know, if you want, you can get up, walk out right now and never have to come back. The elders are like, because it was, I mean, it's four or five times. And even in this process, after being caught, there was times where she would still go and see this other guy, talk to him, text him. And he would know. The Lord would reveal it to him. Where he'd look at, he'd, he could see it in her face. And he'd be like, the Lord would say she spoke to him. And he'd call her out. And she'd just be broken. I mean, she, and he, was, he said she was so, like she was so against accountability. Every time he would come home and tell her that he told somebody else what happened, she'd flip out and just be angry. So one time she took off running out the house and he chased her. He chased her all the way to the train station, cussing him out. Leave me alone. I don't ever want to see your face again. And when he catches her, she's like, I don't deserve somebody like you. I mean, just imagine the guilt and the shame that she's been feeling carrying this around for eight years. I mean, carrying the weight of sin, of hidden sin. I've been there. I've been, I've been on both sides. <clears throat> where, I, where, where I know people that were just hiding stuff. And you could just see the pain in their face. And I listen, man, until you're ready to deal with this and bring it to the light. You're never going to be free. That's the reality of it, man. 
I know for me and my sin, when I was, when I was living a double life, had one foot in the world, one foot in the church, I knew for a fact I'll never be free until, I, until, until this stuff is out in the open. But I was too afraid to put my sin out there. By God's grace, he did it for me. <clears throat> so, he's going through this thing with his wife. And he, throughout this whole thing, he just continued to love her. Just understanding, man, for years, she wanted to tell somebody. She wanted to be free from this, but she just she couldn't. She was in bondage. And I'm hearing this story, and I'm thinking to myself, like, man, what kind of, what kind of man are you, man? Like, I, that's not, like, when you hear this story, like, the first thing is, like, man, I'm going to split then. Like, people, that's the mentality of the world. He said, man, there's no way. He said he knew, I knew the devil is trying to ruin my marriage. He's trying to kill my marriage. For some of us hearing the story, it's like, bro, your marriage is already dead. Four or five, you know, trips later, like, it's already dead. But something in him was like, no, man, I believe this, that we, and he was, he's in love. He's like, man, this is my wife. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. I know she's mine. He's going to go through whatever it is he's got to go through. And it's crazy because recently he was, he was going on a trip. And the, the place he was going to is the same place where this other guy lived. The same t- town. And so bef- in the morning before he left, he asked his wife, how long is the drive to such and such? And she tells him. And he knows the reason she knows how long the drive is is because she made it several times. But he said, man, I knew. It, it didn't hit him. He said, I knew. I knew in the beginning that I needed to know everything. I needed to know what happened, when it happened, where it happened. who. I needed to know everything. He said, because if I didn't, here we are years later, and I ask my wife, how far is the trip? And she tells me, I don't want my wife to feel like she's still hiding something from me. I don't want her to go back into a place where she feels like she's hiding something from her husband. And all of a sudden, the devil can come in and creep in because there's still something hidden. And it just hit me, man, when he was talking about this and just the reality of like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I mean, and just thinking about how what God is like. And we see so much in the scripture about being his bride and his love for us and him wanting us to confess sin and knowing, man, he already knows us, but he wants us. He wants us to bear it all before him. Why? So that when we stand before him, we don't have to feel shame or guilt. You know, First John tells us that if our heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence before God. Anybody ever go to pray and right when you start, the devil reminds you of the last bonehead thing you did? And all of a sudden, oh, I can't pray now. <clears throat> because that's what the enemy's going to do. But man, look, if everything's exposed, if everything's exposed, you don't feel that way anymore. Because like, he already, yeah, I, I, he already knew about it. <laughs> What are you bringing it up for? I, we already talked about that. There's something about, man, just bearing ourselves before the Lord that brings freedom. And, this, and the, the crazy thing, man, is like, he, and he already knows these things. My buddy knew everything about his wife at this point. He knew her shame, 
her insecurities, her guilt, her shortcomings, her betrayal. But more at the same time, he also knew that's my wife. And I made a covenant with her. And this is to the end. And I was, I'm telling you, man, my heart, my heart was floored, man. Just thinking about the Lord and just like, man, is this how you feel about me? No, I, like, I know my shame and my guilt and my shortcomings and my betrayal. But I don't like talking about the fact that you know it makes me uncomfortable. But even the fact that he knows them doesn't change the way that he feels about us. Because he made a covenant with us. And this is to the end. And there's just something, man, that took place, man, in my heart where I was, I, like, I couldn't explain what was happening. I just knew in my heart, man, even on a practical level, man, just talking with my wife about it, sharing a story with her. And just even feeling like, man, even in our marriage, we've been married three years and just like, man, she don't know everything about me. And I know I don't know everything about her. Not like I know every detail, but like, like, not for no reason outside the fact we just don't do it. Like we don't, I just don't sit down and bear my soul before everybody. But it was something, I mean, something happened. I'm telling you, where in my heart, I was like, man, and I was telling her this, the other, you know, the other day, like, babe, I, I want you to know everything. Like, I, I want you, to, I, and it, it just hit me, man, if, if, our, if our marriage, if our relationship is supposed to be a picture of the relationship between Christ and his church, and he knows everything about his bride. So I don't have a right to hold things back from my wife. You know, some guys are like, man, you can't tell your wife some things, man, she just can't handle it. Man, she's going to have to figure out a way. <laughs> Just because the reality is this, man. Like, I don't want to live with shame, with guilt, with heaviness. I, I want to be free. I want to have confidence before the Lord and before my wife. I don't want to feel like I'm hiding anything. Because that's not what was purchased on the cross. Man, it, and it, just, it just hit me, man. How much he knows us, how much he knows me. I mean, everything that I hate about myself, not hate, but, you know, everything I dislike about myself, he, it's, not like, it's not like he didn't know that before he, he made the deal. He knew how many times I was going to blow it. He knew how many times I wasn't going to wake up and pray or read my Bible. Or how many times I was, you know, he, he know, but still. That's crazy. I mean, for us, the way we work, it's like, wait. If I was to show you, you know, like, here, take this job, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the next five years of what it's going to look like working here. And you see the frustration of your boss being, a, you know, coming down. If you see a, it's like, I'm not taking that job. That's crazy. Why would I take that job? You know how hard that's going to be? That's, that's the way we work. And it just goes to show us how different we are from him. Because he looks at us and sees our lives and be like, man. That's a hot mess. I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. Let's do it. Because he knows, man, look, I'm, I'm all in, and that means something's going to change, and I'm going to get the glory for this. One day, somebody's going to look and say, man, that, that used to be a hot mess. What happened? 
And it's crazy, man, like hearing this story of, of, I hear this story from my buddy, and the first, all I can think about is, man, what could you have been, like, how, how, how do you do that, man? How do you still love beyond yourself? How do you completely remove yourself from the picture? How you feel? I mean, he was wronged. There's no questions about it. But man, his, his love for his wife was so much greater than his offense and his hurt. Bless you. Man, I, 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 want, I, I want us to t- turn to Psalm 139. Because I want to just take a look at just what the scriptures say about how much God knows us. <clears throat> Psalm 139 says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. We could, just, we could just stop there. You know when I sit down or when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful, wonderful for me. Too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me. And your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as the day and darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, and I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. God, I mean, we see this picture here of just how much he knows us in every little way. Verse 18 again, he says, I can't even count them. His, his God's precious thoughts about us. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. God's, I mean, he's with us. He, he, he. We can't even fathom. Like even this story about my buddy is nothing compared to the way God feels about us. Because God's not checking out. He's not taking off to his buddy's house to get a date. And I'm not knocking my buddy for doing that. (laughs) But this is, I mean, get this, man. It says, every day of my life was recorded in your book, and every moment was laid out before a day had passed. He knew everything about you before you were even born. He knew every decision you were going to make and every decision you were not going to make. 
And still, you know, he, he was all in. Go back to Hosea chapter 2, please. You know, as, I, as, as I'm, I'm thinking about this, I'm just... It's like the thing that really gets me is the feeling. I think it's the feeling of being fully known and to still be fully loved. I mean, to know myself and to be like, man, I don't know, man. Sometimes I get on my own nerves. (laughs) And just to think, man, God, he knows everything about me, man. And he still loves me just the same. He's not holding it against me. He's not holding back like, wait, man, I know you're going to. I mean, just think about it. We ask the question. People ask the question, man, how how could Jesus pick Judas knowing what Judas was going to do? Because he doesn't show partiality, man. Everybody gets a chance to experience his love. You do what you want with it. I mean, just the reality, knowing this guy's going to betray me. I'm sure if you would have told my buddy eight years ago what was going to take place, I'm out. I'm not signing up for this. Who wants to go through that? Because this is the way that we work. It's not like that with God. He so desperately wants us to know Him. He, he wants a bride that He can love. Hosea chapter 2, the end of uh, verse 18. No, I started, I'll read it verse 18. On that day I will make a covenant with all the wild animals and the birds of the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground. So they will not harm you. I will remove all weapons of war from the land and swords and bows. Why is he going to do all of that? So you can live unafraid in peace and safety. I will make you my wife forever. Showing you righteousness and justice. Unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine. And you will finally know me as Lord. Again in Hosea chapter 2 verse 16. He says, when that day comes, says the Lord. You will call me my husband instead of my master. And God's not looking for slaves, man. He's not looking for, you know, yes men. He's looking for a bride. He's looking for someone to love, someone to love him back. That's what this is all about. We can do a whole lot of things, man, but if we miss this, it's about not, my people are destroyed because they don't know me. Jesus says, many will come to me on that day and they'll show me their resume. Then we cast out demons, prophesy, heal the sick. And he's going to say, get away from me. I never knew you. It's about intimacy with him, man. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's been humbling to just know that despite all my shortcomings, he's, he still loves me. He's not holding it against me. But I say this, man, that I feel like the challenge and what I'm sharing today is this, man. 
The challenge is to bear ourselves before the Lord. He says, be sure your sin will find you out. Man, we, we need to spend some time before the Lord. And we need to say, listen, man, this is, this, there's pride in my heart. There's this, I mean, and God is gracious, man. He'll reveal things to us. He'll reveal it to you, but then the way you respond is what's going to make the difference. The way you respond is what's going to make the difference. I had a, uh, I had a, uh, uh, I shared this with some, some people here at, at the school, but when uh, Mike Koulianos was here, um, how many of you guys were here when he was here and he had that, that evening service? And I was in the sound booth and I remember he said, while he was up there, he said, Frankie, I believe the Lord has something for you tonight. And I was like, great, I'm in. This is going to be fun. And, I, you know, naturally then I'm expecting he's going to call me up there, put his hand on me, blow on my face, and, you know, something's going to happen. And I remember during, he, he shared this message on the tabernacle. And I remember just him just talking. And one, the one thing I remember that he said, one of the things I remember he said was that from each, each station of the tabernacle and each curtain, there's the outer courts, the holy place, and the holy of holies. Each curtain itself was Christ. How we have to go through him to get to the, to, the, to the you know deeper place. He was saying how each state is Jesus himself. So he preaches this, and then he feels like we need to start worshiping, so the worship team comes up or whatever. I don't know. We're singing. We're worshiping Jesus, and I, I'm worshiping, and I'm going after it. And then I see... I, I get a lot of, you know, like, movies in my head. Carol taught me. It's in, called an episodic mind. <laughs> like, but, you know, when I, like, the Lord, if the Lord speaks to me, usually I see things happening, you know. And so, while I'm worshiping, what I see is that I, I'm in a desert. I'm in a desert, and I look up, and I see the tabernacle. I see this big white tent. I just see the face of the tent and like the, like the slit, like the door, the way to walk in. And I'm like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden, standing between me and this tent is Jesus. But he's not like, Jesus, you know, I love you. It's like, it was Jesus the warrior. I remember because he was like standing in like this like, you know, like, I don't know. It's just this, this, this stance. You could just tell like he's... He, it was serious, you know. And he's just staring at me. And I remember he was saying, Jesus is, is, is the, you go through Jesus to get to the next level. And he's just staring at me. And I can tell with his eyes, he's staring at me, almost to say, almost to be like, you know, like, submit. Like, you know, like in the, in the hood, we like, respect. You know, like. And all of a sudden, I'm standing here, Having a stare down with Jesus. Because I don't want to respect. And then all of a sudden I see what's happening here from that perspective. So now I'm standing here and I see Jesus and I see myself. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like that's not going to work. And I remember this because I'm, I'm watching this and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, man. Am I really this prideful? Really? You're going to stand before Jesus and have a stare down. 
This is what I'm thinking over there. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I do what made sense. In, in, in the vision and in the natural, I'm upstairs. And in the vision, I'm like, get on your knees. So upstairs, I'm like, I get on my knees. And I'm like, we're going to make this happen. Because <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to be this guy that tries to have a stare down with Jesus. So I get on my knees. And he, st- he hasn't moved. He's just staring there. Standing there staring at me the same way. Almost, a be- almost saying, like, I know this isn't real. I know you're forcing your submission. So then I get on my face. Like, maybe he'll like that. <laughs> so I get on my face. And I'm standing over there watching, and he's still staring at me. Like, this isn't real. And I'm... And I'm praying and i'm like god like this is new to me i didn't know this was there i don't know how to stop like, i don't I, I don't know what to do i don't want to be like this like, it was, i mean it's just a simple like i don't know how to fix this but i know i don't like this i don't want to be this way and I, I i just felt like this all of a sudden like something just you know broke off like all of a sudden i was i was on my face and it was like real submission before the lord and I'm watching this from over there, and I'm laying on my face before Jesus. And he puts his foot on my back, and he did like this. And when he did that, I was over here, and I was like, what was that? Like, I'm like, that, I was not expecting that to happen. I was like, what was that? And he said, I conquered you. And then he helped me up, turned around grabbed my hand, and started walking forward into this thing. And I share that story to say, listen, man, he'll expose the things in your heart that he wants to get rid of. I, I, I mean, he's my witness. I, I, wasn't, I didn't realize I was this prideful. There's things that we, but there are things that we do know are there. If it's not pride and selfishness and, and, you know, whatever the case is, there's just blatant sin that we have in our lives that we know for a fact is weighing us down. And you keep trying to pray. You keep trying to fast it away. Keep trying to read it away and go to conferences until it's gone. There's only one way to get rid of that, man. You, you bear it before the Lord. In some cases... You might have to bear it before men. I just heard a story the other day about a, a young man who uh, had to confess some things to his parents that he had done in his past. And he said he, what happened when he was praying and he noticed himself getting repetitious in his prayers. Like his prayers all sounded the same. He's like, God, I don't, what, why can't I, you know, what's going on? I feel like there's like a break, like a wall that I keep hitting. And God said, you need to go. Confess, confess to your parents and ask for forgiveness. And he's like, nah, I already talked to Pastor so-and-so, I talked to this guy, and I talked to you about it. And he said, no, you need to honor your parents, and you need to go share with them. And I heard about the story, man, he was broken. I mean, stuff that happened like a couple years ago, just broken. Young kid just carrying the weight of his sin. We're not meant to carry it, man. <clears throat> In Revelation 19, we see this beautiful 
19. Picture here of what's coming at the end. Verse 6. 19.6 Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean of mighty ocean waves or the crash of a loud thunder. Praise the Lord for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to Him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and His bride has prepared herself. The bride has prepared herself. That means there's a responsibility on the bride. There's a responsibility on us to get ready. But get this. This is he's so good. Next verse. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. It's on her to get dressed, but God gives you, this is what I want you to wear. You just got to put it on. I'm giving you the finest linens to put on, but you still need to put it on. I'm giving you the opportunity to get dressed, but you still need to choose to get dressed. You know, my heart, like I said, I mean, my heart was just broken all week just thinking about, man, how much he loves us. And just the reality of, of wh- how great that love is and how it doesn't change no matter how big of a bonehead I can be at times. You know, and I, I just want to take some time now. You know, we're just going to play some music off, an iP- off the iPod, man. I just, I just feel like, man, we just need to spend some time just praying. We got some more time with the kids, so leave them there. Just spend some time before the Lord. Bear yourself before him. Just be open, honest, be real about where you're at, about sin that you've been carrying. I mean, it's the only way we're really going to get free. It's the only way we're really going to get dressed. You know, my, 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 <clears throat> in my own experiences, man, I'm telling you, my life changed drastically when... My sin was exposed. Not because I chose for it to be exposed. I lived a double life for five years and then I had no choice. I was exposed before everybody and I knew at that point I, was, I, was, I had freedom. And this, but this is the freedom I had. This is the choice the Lord gave me. You're free to go back if you want to. You can go back to the world. If you want, that's what you want, you can go back. I knew it. Because I, I prayed for it for years. For years, I prayed, let me out. I don't like living like this. I'd much rather be part of the world. It's a lot easier. And then my sin was exposed, and I was bare before men. What God already knew, now everybody else knew. And I remember, God was like, here it is. Answered prayer. Hallelujah. And I knew in my heart, I felt like Peter in John 6. I got nowhere else to go, man. If I go back, I'm going to be miserable. I knew it. 
And my life has not been the same since. So I want to encourage you guys. Spend some time with the Lord and just be real. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll close us out in, in prayer. And if, if specifically, if you feel like you're, you're spending time with the Lord when God is saying, no, you need to talk to somebody about this. You need to bring this out. You need somebody to pray with you. You know, sometimes it's just the, the, the shame and the guilt are so heavy, you need somebody else to stand with you. You know, Galatians 6 tells us to carry one another's burdens. So I, if you feel like you need prayer, then I would ask you just to come up. You know, one of the leaders will come up and we'll pray with you. But man, I really believe God wants to do something. He wants to set us free, but man, he wants to reveal his love. He wants to show us. He wants us to know despite our shortcomings, man, he loves us. So let's just take some some couple of moments to just pray.
we come to you now, Lord. And God, we ask. God, we ask, Lord, for the freedom and the cross, God, to be fully known and yet be fully loved, God. God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would grant us by your grace the ability to be bare before you, O oh God. That we, would, that we would know in our hearts that you do know everything about us because we've told you about it, God. I pray, God, that there would be nothing that we hold back from you, God. God, I come against the lies of the enemy, Lord, that would say that you don't care, that you don't want to know, that you, or that you already know, so there's no need to talk about it, God. I pray, Lord, for real freedom to come, God through confessing our sins, God, from being bare before you, God, from revealing our hearts, God, and our brokenness before you, God. I pray, God, Lord, that as we, we trust you, God, as we trust you with, with our hearts, God, with ourselves, God, that you would show us how faithful you are, God, that you would remind us of the covenant you've made with us, God, and how it's till the end, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you would reveal to us, God, that you've already taken the step, Lord God, that you've already taken a step and done everything you could for us to be whole and free. And God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, for your grace, God, for the ability to do what we cannot do on our own, God. To come to you broken. To come to you humbly, Lord God, and say, Lord, we love you and that's all that we want to do, God. And we thank you, God, that you take us the way that we are, God. And you make us into who you want us to be, God. I pray, Lord God, that our sin and our shame would no longer hold us back, God. I pray that as we stand before you, we would have confidence before you, God, because our heart does not condemn us. God, I pray in Jesus' name for freedom to come through the cross, God. God, we thank you, Lord, for the examples we have in Scripture, God, of your, of your broken heart, Lord, and just what you're willing to do to, to buy us back. God, we're so grateful, Lord. God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that this week even there would be a heaviness in our heart, God, as you reveal your great love for us, God. I pray above everything else, God, that we would long to know you, God, that we would not be destroyed, God. That when we come to you on that day, Lord, that we won't feel like we need to give you our resume because we know that you know us, God. God, I pray in Jesus' name, God. We need intimacy, Lord God. I pray for an anointing right now, God, of your spirit to fall on us, God, for intimacy, Lord God. Lord, we don't, we don't want signs and wonders, God. We want you, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Grant us the grace to break into you, God. I pray in Jesus' name, God. Lord, that, we, that you would grant us the grace to, to, to be bare before you, God. And I pray, Lord, just as you did with me, God, if there's sin in our hearts that we are not aware of, God, reveal it, God, by your Spirit, God. God, we thank you. We thank you, God, for loving us, God, despite our shortcomings and our flaws, God. We thank you for the freedom to be fully known and fully loved, God. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.